You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Wednesday, Comic Book Day, September 21st. And with me, same as usual, we got Vince. How are you doing today, buddy? I am doing great. It's been a great Wednesday. It actually was. It, uh, I was, <laughs> everybody knows my love of variants. And what does my love of variants make me do? Well, despite having a terrible knee day, I actually went out at lunchtime during my lunch break to go to the comic store on the off chance that there might be a variant of the new Batman number one. I so wanted it because I'm planning on framing some of my variants now. And I even found the perfect frame for it. So it's just a matter of picking up a bunch of them and putting them in. I have a spot set up by my computer upstairs in the office slash spare room upstairs and stuff. So so the really nice covers are going up. And I was thinking, oh, a Batman number one? Dude, that would be friggin' awesome. So I actually went out during my lunch to go and pick up my the, the ones that my, my buddy was holding at the comic book shop. And uh, they didn't have that, but they did have an awesome friggin' uh, Ultimate Comics X-Men number one variant, which I picked up, and they had uh, an X-Men number 18 variant, which in and of itself, I don't care, X-Men number 18, but it has an awesome Ramus um, Wolverine. He's actually missing a leg, it looks like, <laughs> but the drawing <laughs> is awesome. And then there was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number two variant, which the cover was a nice throwback. It wasn't, you know, scream in your face awesome, but it wasn't a lot more, so I didn't care. So I picked it up, but no Batman, but... Dude, I came back with all the stuff that I picked up today, and I spent the day kind of in between <laughs> work a little, read a little, work a little, read a little, <laughs> and read a bunch of comics is what I did for the afternoon. So the afternoon turned out to be pretty damn good, and it was worth it for that Batman. We'll get into it later when we're talking about what we're reading, but it was a damn good comic book day for me. I just, all I'm missing is that variant of the number one Batman, and that would have made it an awesome day, but I'm still all right. Well, I'm glad you are happy in your poorness. <laughs> it's it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It was a little it was a little excessive, but we're not going to discuss that with anybody um, who handles the checkbook. So we're actually going to talk about several things this week. Now, one of them is we we kind of joked about it because I'm saying like, why aren't we talking about Uncanny X Force? Because it is literally just absolutely freaking insanely cool. And there's been, it's, it's such a, an insanely, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just this huge story arc in scope, as well as the impact it's going to have on, I would assume not just the X-Force, Uncanny X-Force series, but as well, all of the other series as well. I mean, you can't bring freaking Kurt back. And then not expect that he's not going to pop in on some of the other series as well. We should hope so. Yeah, right. You better. I want him everywhere. <laughs> if you're thinking of putting Wolverine on a cover from now on, make it Kurt. That's that's what I'm saying. Um, so anyway, so we're going to talk about issues number 13, 14, and 15. Not in great detail for each, but kind of go over them. Uh, just because, again, they were each absolutely awesome e issues. Yeah, um... I would love to talk about Uncanny X-Force every single week there's a new issue out, but, uh, you know, there's just other stuff going on, and we don't want to become the Uncanny X-Force podcast. I think uh, Rick Remeter is already starting to take out a restraining order on me. 
Uh, yeah, we had an issue when we last last one we talked about was issue twelve, where they were back in the age of apocalypse, and it ended with that awesome cliffhanger of all the assembled weird alternate universe villains, <laughs> and of course Wolverine apocalypse, which. That was pretty damn cool. And why is he always... He is definitely at some point going to officially lose that left hand. Because anytime they have something <laughs> like this... Same thing with the uh, the Marvel Universe versus Wolverine. He's always losing a hand somewhere. <laughs> it's like he's destined to lose one. So get ready for it, Logan. It's coming. Anyway, <laughs> anyway you slice it, you're losing a hand. Yeah, no pun even intended. the playing field. Yeah. <laughs> Wolverine with one hand is only slightly better than everybody else. <laughs> So issue 13 picks off, picks up right where the previous one left off with absolute chaos going on. Uh, Phantom X and uh, those guys, they're running away, uh, trying to escape before they can uh, get the life seed, which is what they need to heal Archangel. And I just love that bits there with uh, Phantom X and Gambit because I've never been a Gambit fan. And just seeing Phantom X make fun of yeah. Gambit at every <laughs> possible opportunity, <laughs> making fun of his accent and his playing cards. Great stuff. I love the making then, fun of the playing cards, especially. <laughs> to me, that was the icing on the cake. I'm sure you thought playing cards were a cute idea. Ooh, look at me. <laughs> and then, of course, we have the huge battle between uh, Wolverine, Apocalypse, and everybody else. And he just, yeah, he's a uh, pretty badass, let's just say. <laughs> and it all ends with... Uh, Gene, alternate, alternate uh, universe Gene, having to make the sacrifice and send them back to their home dimension where she says she has to clean up her own mess. And even without the life seed, she thinks that she can help Logan in some way. And hopefully we'll see at least a little resolution to that plot line before uh, we say goodbye to the Age of Apocalypse again for a while. So coming up at the end of issue 13, I swear, Reminder has the best last pages in comics. <laughs> <laughs> Almost every single last page of X-Force has just been crap. When's the next issue come out? Because it ended with them getting back to the home universe. And there's Warren in full apocalypse archangel mode now with the entire assembled final horsemen and just Dark Beast. Everybody's there. They even uh, blew the dust off Holocaust from the old Age of Apocalypse storyline and uh, brought him into the core universe now in his new name, Genocide. And he's an imposing figure, at least. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so issue 14 starts off with just seeing Warren stepping into the role of Apocalypse and just how different it is, how, you know, he's not... He doesn't want the people to bow down to him. And, you know, they're all in this together for the good of, uh, of evolution. And it, it really gets back to the core of Apocalypse's character before he became the megalomaniacal, you know, just generic bad guy. He really truly believed that he was helping out the Earth and everything he did. And I just love the little touches like his wings forming the cape. That was just great. <laughs> I love the interaction between him and Beast the most. And, but it's not our beast. <laughs> our beast. <laughs> it, it, it's the bad beast. Um, but I love the interactions between them. It, it was, again, it's, we have an opinion of who Beast is. So when you see him so out of character, were it written in any other way, you'd say that's out of character. He wouldn't behave that way. But knowing that it's just, you know, this alternate Beast, it creates this funny dynamic. And I really liked how they worked out together. It, it was something that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. 
So, of course, the X-Force tries to take down Warren, and that works just about as well as it did in the other universe. <laughs> and uh, you know, they escape with their tails tucked between their legs. Uh, <laughs> Deadpool, Phantom X, and Deathlock fly away with half a Wolverine. <laughs> and Psylocke decides to stay behind, uh, pretty much filling the same role as Jean did in the Age of Apocalypse, thinking she can save Warren. Exactly. And then that leads into issue 15, where everything finally starts to come together. We see Warren's plan coming to fruition. He takes the life seed and the world, you know, the, the weird little city thing that Phantom X carries around. He has genocide, wipe out an entire city in, well, the middle of nowhere, and uses the life seed to evolve the, light, the uh, wildlife in the area. And he uses the world to accelerate time flow. So basically they get a couple million years worth of evolution in an afternoon. And it's just going to test to see how it's going to work when they do it on a planetary scale. And it's not going to end terribly well for the humans, but it's all going to work out as far as the uh, as far as Archangel is concerned. And it ties a lot into uh, the Celestials. Uh, in Marvel lore, the Celestials are these you know, cosmic beings who imbued Earth with life in the first place. And they chose Apocalypse thousands of years ago to be kind of their herald on Earth, to to foster future evolution. So it's picking up those threads. Uh, parts of Apocalypse's character that were kind of mentioned but never really followed through, so I really like that coming across. And you just get awesomeness with... <laughs> I absolutely love Phantom X, Deathlock, and Deadpool together. It's so... It's these three wildly varying personalities, and they're just so absolutely hilarious. At one point, they uh, actually kill off Death, the uh, drummer dude, and capture... Uh, I think it was Famine? Whatever. One of them. And Deathlock turns... Like, his, his AI activates and pushes back his human personality so they can interrogate him. And it's just like, well, you didn't do a very good job of guarding our base. Maybe you could be a good interrogator. <laughs> I actually haven't read. That's the last episode issue that I haven't read. I have it now. I'm going to be reading it, but that's the the only one that I haven't read. And is driving me nuts now because I, I have to read it. Um, but again, I, what you were saying though, in terms of the interactions between, especially Phantom X and Deadpool, God, that has just been fantastic. <laughs> and I think that they're the they're the best characters to team up because of the differences between them and because phantom x can shoot something back just as fast as deadpool can be crazy kind of thing i actually would love to see some sort of miniseries in the style of wolverine and spider-man with those two characters i think that would be killer absolutely i get on it <laughs> <laughs> And then before the issue ends, we just see some little cracks coming through, like uh, Blob from Age of Apocalypse actually shows up uh, back in our universe. So it shows that that gateway is still open. Obviously, Kurt's coming through at some point, so we definitely haven't resolved the uh, alternate universe side of the story. So that that's good to see. And, of course, uh, I don't want to ruin it for you since you haven't read it, but uh, with the final horseman death having been killed uh, – Archangel needs to select a new angel of death because as it, it as is explained, whoever Apocalypse chose as death was the one that he chose to be his heir if anything were to happen. That's why Archangel has stepped into the role of Apocalypse. So now Archangel needs his successor and he has to choose a new angel of death. Good stuff. Actually, I just saw the picture, so yeah. I... Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> it's spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> Not but really it's, surprising. It's, no, but... oh. This has just been such a great comic. I, 
I can't say enough good things, and we've said it over and over again, and it's still true, by far the best comic Marvel's putting out. What's really cool right now is that I like I know that the the story arc is not yet officially done. There's still more that they're going to be doing. We're barely halfway through. Yeah, so <laughs> there's still like eight a lot. Parts. Yeah, there's still a lot to go. What's what's cool is that I'm already now looking forward to the next big story arc or even if it's a smaller one, just to see I I know he has it in him, but just to see what else he can do. Because it's, you know, when you, you, you find a really good writer that you like, whether it's comic books or novels or whatever, a lot of people, if you like horror to Stephen King or things like that, you can't wait to, what else are you going to think of? What else are you going to put these people through or whatever? <laughs> and that's what I feel with this now. It's, I really hope that they don't replace him with another writer. I, I really hope that he sticks with this series because he's doing such a good job. And I want to see what kind of nonsense he's going to put his people through. So again, it's a, it's a testament to his, his skill. And, and I, same as always dude, art in this issue is just freaking fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's, there's nothing more that can be said about the art. It's, it, yeah, it does a very good job. Okay, so let's move away from that now and actually talk about one of the new series that started up. We got It's not just DC that's starting up a crap load of new series right now. We've got all of the Ultimate Comics stuff are restarting with brand new series as well. Today there was the Ultimate X-Men, uh, Ultimate Comic X-Men, like I was saying too, and I picked up the variant of that sucker, which is super sexy. I'll put a picture of it. <laughs> if, if you've got an iPod, you'll be able to look right now and you'll see the picture on your screen um but one of the ones that started last week was the new spider-man now we got a touch of that in the uh oh crap what was it called Ulti- ultimate the fallout the oh, fallout right ultimate fallout and so we kind of got like a very very brief glimpse of two pages it was terrible uh <laughs> and that was the new spider-man and now we got the official first issue of it and basically this is a kid from a poorer family and his fa- father works in a lab with osborne and the uh, the kid gets this kind of is accepted into a fairly important school through a lottery system. But you can tell that the kid's obviously got a lot of issues, not just in terms of his self-worth because he doesn't feel like he should be going in there, that he didn't earn it. But also you can see that he, he kind of mopes around a lot. This is not your normal kid that's energetic and things like that. Um, but you're really not seeing much at the beginning. And then he goes to visit his uncle um, and basically just you can tell that this is an uncle that he's not supposed to be seeing in the <laughs> poor section of town, even poor and uh, kind of shady character, but he is, uh, he's basically goes there just because he feels like he could talk to him more, which is often the case with kids. They feel closer with their able to open up with, with uncles and aunts and whatever. And so as he's there talking to him, um, well, the uncle had gone to a, basically he's a criminal. He'd done a heist and he'd stolen something. And one of the spiders that was in the being experimented on by Osborne, to try to recreate again the spider that created the original Spider-Man. This spider stowed away in his his bag and sure enough it comes out of the bag and bites this kid. And you know what? That's pretty much it. Like you're really this is all set up. All set up. There's not a single bit of action. It's basically the retelling of the Spider-Man story except with brand new characters what it is. And you you are seeing 
I mean, minor spoiler that there's there's differences in terms of how the spider bite affect affect the kids, Parker versus this kid. Um, and but it's entirely all set up. So all it is is the origin story, starting from again issue one. Um, I'm hmm, I'm finding it very hard to be excited about the character, and a large part of that is because he is such a boring character. He's such a boring child that, and I mean, I've raised four. So, I, and I'm looking at this and going like this kid, like I can appreciate that there's issues going on and things like that. And I can appreciate that, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different things, but you want your characters to be interesting. And one of the things that made Spider-Man so unbelievably interesting was that the character Parker was such a strong character, whether he was being Parker or Spider-Man, he was such a strong character. And I don't see that out of this kid at all. So really, I, I did not enjoy this. I, I, I didn't even enjoy the writing in it because overall it relied on far too many cliches and I really wasn't digging it at all. It was really just meh. I didn't dislike it, but it was just meh. I didn't care. I would go so far as to say it was good. Not great. I didn't find it amazing. I'm still going to read the second issue, of course. So I, I liked the parallels between Miles and Peter, you know, and how they're similar and yet completely different. You know, Peter grew up in a predominantly white upper class area of New York. Miles is the exact opposite. How the one thing Peter always wanted in his life, his parents, Miles has and wants nothing to do with them. He he would prefer to have that uncle figure in his life like Uncle Ben. So it, it's those cool little parallels I enjoyed. I I will agree that Miles himself isn't terribly interesting at this terribly? point. But <laughs> I am interested to see how he grows as a character, especially with the powers and whatnot. So... I think there's enough foundation here that Miles could become much more interesting in the future. I just really have to wonder, what the hell is Osborne doing with his spiders? Yeah. <laughs> Can't he keep better track of these things? <laughs> the, those damn spiders are always getting away on you. You cannot keep those suckers <laughs> in a box. Um, uh, one, one thing about the spider, and sorry to interrupt you, but I didn't even think of this until somebody pointed it out to me last night. Uh, of course, the spider has the number 42 written yep. across it, you know, lab specimen number 42. And of course, you mentioned 42 and anything revolving around nerds. And what's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, it's the, uh, whatchamacallit? No, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the Hitchhiker's Guide yeah, to the Galaxy. What, yeah, yeah. The ultimate answer to life and everything in yeah, the universe. Yeah, 42. Somebody pointed out something else that could be a coincidence or could be a really nice touch. And you live in Canada, so you don't know much about actual sports. But Oh, dude. <laughs> 42 was Jackie Robinson's number. Oh. And for those who don't know, Jackie Robinson was the first black player to be in Major League Baseball. So I, I don't say like they, they were beating everybody over the head where, you know, it, he's a minority character. But I think it was a nice touch. But if, if, in if fact, it that's what. Yeah, if it was intentional. If um, not, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a cool coincidence either way. It's see again, it's I I just I'm not hmm, I don't like the character. Okay, let me just it's not that I don't like him. It's that he does absolutely nothing for me. He's just not interesting in the least. And the other thing too is that he is appears to be very young. 
And so that's going to make things way different as well when he is being Spider-Man. So, I mean, I don't know. Just based on this alone, I am really now disappointed that they actually killed off Spider-Man in the Ultimate Universe. Thank God we still have the real one because I'm not digging this one. I mean, looking at freaking Spider-Island Part 3, just read it. Oh, dude. Loved it. It was freaking <laughs> awesome. It was gold. And then I look at this and it's like, man, he's not interesting at all. Just on the strength of Bendis's portfolio, especially with Ultimate Spider-Man, I'm at least going to hang on for a while to see where it goes. Because I, I do have confidence that, that it'll become something good. Well, I w- I, I'll read the next few as well. But again, based on this, I'm... Yeah, this as a, as a single issue, if you're somebody who's reading this for the first time... I definitely agree. It doesn't jump out and grab you as like something very intriguing. Not at all. Not at all. Okay. If let's... you don't, if you don't know who Bendis is, and if you didn't read the previous hundred sixty issues, yeah. Oh yeah. No. It, it, no. It, it's true. Like, honestly, you give this someone to someone just to read to reintroduce them into comics. Like if you had told me to read this when I'd started back like last year or whatever, I would have read this and gone, Ugh, "This is boring. I got no use for this whatsoever." I'm still mm-hmm. kind of saying the same thing, but it would have been different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to another new number one. We're actually going to group several of them together because we got a whole crap load of new Lantern stuff now in the DC Universe because we got Green Lantern, we got the Green Lantern Core, and we've got the Red Lanterns. So basically, I've got I've got the issues in my hands here as well, some of them because I don't have them all on the screen. Um, we'll start with the, the Green Lantern, the new one, because we got Sinestro now. I wish I had the picture of my freaking variant. Oh, dude, I'll, I'm going to put that. Th- on. That that is one of the sexiest variant covers it I've ever seen. Freaking okay, so for people, look at your iPods now. <laughs> it is awesome. Or you know what you can do if you want is just follow me on Twitter, <laughs> because when I get variants, <laughs> I let people know. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, the Green Lantern issue was. For me, it was one of the ones that I was really looking forward to. It's funny because I read so many Green Lantern books now. I've read The War of Light, I've read The Brightest Day, The Darkest Night, all that crap. And um, and I mean, I, I like a lot of them, but I, it's not by any stretch of the imagination my favorite series at all. Nor does it even include a lot of my favorite characters. But when the whole thing was going on where in Flashpoint where Sinestro got the green ring back and then that was going to be how it started with Green Lantern, I was like, okay, that I'm there for. That'll mm-hmm. be freaking awesome. So this starts off really good. I mean, you got Sinestro saying the Green Lantern oath. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, that is freaking golden. And then he's, that's not right. Yeah, there's something going on here. But you're finding out, of course, that he does not want to. He's just saying mm-hmm. it so that they will let him go and take the freaking ring on. He doesn't want the ring. Of course, he doesn't. He leads the the Yellow Lanterns. He he doesn't want anything to do with these guys. And but the Guardians have decided that no, there is there's a chance at redemption, is what they they say. And so they feel that the ring chose him for a reason. And of course he feels differently, but he takes off anyway with the actual lantern. And from there, you're kind of wondering what's going to happen. And then you got the side stuff going on with Hal, who is knee deep in debt, can't afford to pay his rent, goes ballistic trying to be a hero when he shouldn't ought to be, gets bailed out of jail. (laughs) 
And you can see basically how his life is going down the toilet ever since he lost the ring. And it was, I mean, I can see why they set it up like there, there's a lot of setup here just to show just how bad things have gotten for him kind of thing. And I think that's required so that once you get to the end and you find out that he's about to make a deal with the devil, that he is that desperate. But I don't know. I, I really, I quite enjoyed this issue a lot. I, I even enjoyed the, the calmer parts with Hal. Um, and then the parts with Sinestro when he's out dealing with the the Yellow Lanterns was freaking awesome. It was really well done. So I'm, uh, again, I'm digging this. What about you? I loved all the stuff with Sinestro. I just wish there was more of it. Like two thirds of the issue was following Hal. Yeah. And if you're going to make the big deal about your relaunches, Sinestro is the new Green Lantern. At least at the beginning of the story, I would like to see more of Sinestro. Because I mean, Hal took up, I'd say, approximately, what, two thirds of the issue maybe? Oh, yeah, lots. Yeah. I hated it. I hated all the stuff with Hal. I just didn't like any of it. Like they, they portray Hal as just being this absolute incompetent idiot. I mean, okay, yeah, he lost his job. He can't pay his rent. I, it, it was almost over the top for me. They did the, the you know, the cliched breaking up the movie fight deal. Uh, the whole thing with him and Carol, how she gets so upset because he didn't propose to her. I, I just didn't appeal to me at all. I'm not going to disagree with you. I, it's, again, I didn't mind it. I didn't find it very powerful, but it set it up to, because again, I'm, I'm imagining what's going to happen, what this deal with Sinestro is going to be kind of thing. It has to be something bad enough that would warrant, I mean, even that if things were going all right with Hal, he'd say no, but they're that bad that he would consider whatever it is that he's going to be offering. So I saw this much like, again, damn near every issue mm-hmm. number one we're seeing right now is all set up. Very few of them are just hitting the ground running. Other than that, Batman number one. Even that had a little setup, but dude, hit the ground running and fast. Save and it. I, I am, but <laughs> so I expect that right now from damn near all of the number ones. I, and, and, I, and that's not to say that I'm impressed with it because I started off, I mean, look back over some of the old episodes, folks, man, I was whew, going ballistic over this, this concept and this idea. And now I'm getting used to the point that really it's not that big a change. Plus Number ones, at least so far, are just about trying to explain the differences in continuity or explain that there's still the same continuity when they shouldn't be and all that crap. So frankly, there's been very few number ones that I've actually been very impressed with. Most of them have been. Eh. So that's what I went in expecting kind of thing. Uh, and, and I will agree with you in terms of the stuff with Sinestro. And again, that's going right back to my thing of. I'm disappointed in how DC is handling this because they're not making the big sweeping changes or at least even minor changes to speak of. They're going they're, they're It's like they're making little, it's a little speed bump, but then they revert right back to what it was. And so mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen Sinestro as the Green Lantern for a bloody long time, but I can't. Give me six, 12 oh, issues yeah. of nothing but Sinestro and slowly start reintroducing Hal. That would have been much more effective, if you ask me. No, oh, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. And that's what I was hoping to find as well. So I am disappointed that it is just a kind of uh, 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 bait and switch, essentially, mm-hmm. which yeah. I kind of have no use for. But I'm still looking forward to seeing what's, what is going to happen. Because 
maybe he will still be around for a little while. Okay, let's move on now to the Red Lanterns because this one has your favorite kitty in it. And <laughs> again, we've got a lot of setup, a lot of backstory with um, Atrocicus, Acrosicus, Acrosicus, the big red dude. Atrocitus. I know, I just like to make fun of you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jerk. But it's, uh, again, a lot of setup in this, but a hell of a lot more action, too. What did you think of it? I love the concept they were going with here. How now that the person responsible for the destruction of Atrocitus' home world is dead, he's not he's not the same. He doesn't have as much rage as he used to. And he's kind of reinventing himself as this new character, almost like an intergalactic punisher. How, you know, he feels the rage for the universe. You know, he he finally got his vengeance and now he wants to bring that to everybody else who's been wronged. I love that in concept. Uh, as a single issue, it was okay. But I I like a lot of the stuff Milligan has written, most notably Five Ronin. So based on what I know of him as a writer and where I think the story could go, I'm definitely going to check this one out for at least a couple more issues even though I'm not a big fan of Ed Bennis as an artist, but that's a completely different issue. Really? You don't, you didn't like the art in this? Oh no. The, the, the art itself is great. Like that panel you got right there, Atrocitus busting through the wall. Awesome. Just throughout his career, Ed Bennis has always been kind of the pinup artist. How you oh, notice okay. the, the few, the, the few scenes with the weird demon girl, oh, how yeah. you know, she manages to have her breasts and her ass on the, well, at course. the same time. And yeah. yeah. So if he can stick with the ugly characters, I'm all for it. <laughs> I uh, yeah, even when you're looking at shots, actually, where where she's not really even in the shots, her butt still manages to to present itself wherever <laughs> it should not. Uh, I know. I actually I I like the art. I thought he really did a great job. I like that character. They're doing mm -hmm. a good job with him. I mean, he's an archetype of the character that is he's basically John Johns, except that he decided to go the evil route. And just mm -hmm. kind of lose it. And so, but no, I'm really kind of digging where they're going with this. I didn't really care much for the whole kids fighting back on Earth. We'll see where that goes. I, yeah. I already know where it's going. I mean, it doesn't take a <laughs> rocket scientist to figure that out. But uh, I'm kind of like, meh, that's, that's kind of pointless um but no I'm, I'm digging it i'm i'm really quite liking it and then the next one is actually just came out and that's the green lantern core did you read that one yet i asked actually i did yes awesome now i don't want to spoil too much because this just came out and so some people are going to be picking it up so i don't want to give actual huge spoilers but i will say that i mean again same as all the other ones it's all set up so basically you're mm -hmm. finding out that Guy Gardner, who's actually a reasonable human being in this one, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's, it's like, okay. I at can't... least until he gets back to Oa and then he becomes Guy again. <laughs> yeah, basically. But even then he was, actually, at least he was, I don't know, he was a little fun then. He wasn't just mm -hmm. a, you know. That's because Batman's not around. There is that. There is that. Um, and Stuart, and basically how they're having a hard time adjusting to life on Earth because they didn't do the mask thing, so people know who they are. And so it's them trying to figure out, you know, what they're going to be doing. And then the, the side part is, is that you've got this freaking invisible freaking killer that's taken slicing people in half and, and, and flushing entire planets. 
<laughs> the big foosh <laughs> on the water planet was hilarious. I know it wasn't meant to be, probably, but it was. Um, it was effective. <laughs> it, it definitely was. So there's basically they're setting up this unbelievable supervillain, and they're again setting up your characters where, you know, the back not backstory, but seeing them without the mask and and how difficult it is for them. Again, that's all I'm positive because of the relaunch and it's just trying to establish the characters as um as they would be without their costumes. So, I don't know, what did you think of the whole issue? Um going back for a few years now, I've always enjoyed Green Lantern Corps more than the actual Green Lantern. Just because it's more what I want out of a comic. It was more the big epic space opera action, you know, good cast of characters. And that's what we're getting here. Like we see in actual Green Lantern, it's very character driven, which nothing wrong with that. I just have always found core to be more enjoyable just in its general premise. And I comparing the two number ones, I'd have to follow with that how we see it it's it's bigger. It's more alive it's more interesting it's more action oriented and i'm i'm digging it i liked it yeah much better than the the first green lantern by by country mile and and that's too bad because i i wish it wasn't not that i've got anything against corp because i like that one a lot as well um it's just i had such high hopes for the sinestro story arc and they didn't pull it off yet but i'm kind of hopeful so anyways moving on from there let's now touch on what we've been reading go ahead all right. Well, uh, first I want to talk about Demon Knights, uh, which was my winner for DC Week Two. Uh, I just really? loved, I loved it. It it's, it's what I want out of the relaunch. Take characters that are familiar, uh, albeit a bit obscure. I mean, the highest profile character is Etrigan the Demon, but Who's put them into this. No, no, no. They're taking him back to his original roots. He doesn't rhyme. Oh really? Okay, I'll read yes. it then. Okay. <laughs> and everybody was everybody was pissed off, like, oh, Etrigan doesn't rhyme. They're ruining the character. Like, well. Originally, he didn't rhyme, and then they introduced it, and everybody just kind of stuck with it. So he doesn't rhyme. I'm enjoying it. There, awesome. It's it's a fun issue. They introduce some familiar characters, some unfamiliar characters. I mean, come on, Vandal Savage is in the thing. Um, it, people who have read some of the more obscure DC works are, are really going to enjoy this. Uh, Grant Morrison, Seven Soldiers, uh, Sir Eiston shows up. So it was a fun issue. It was a good setup for where everything's going. I. I really enjoyed it. I it, I wouldn't want to say it was the best written comic they put out, but I found it the most enjoyable. Cool. And then I have Journey into Mystery. Um, while X-Force has definitely been Marvel's best comic, I think I've had the most fun with Journey into Mystery ever since they uh, relaunched it a couple months ago. It's been following the stories of, of Loki and just him being his mischievous, entertaining self and a lot of the last few issues have been tying into fear itself, but they've been really good tie-ins. Just Loki being Loki is an entertaining comic by my standards. And the way Kieran Gillen is writing it, it has this old-school prose feel to it. Like, like it's an old epic story that's just being retold on the pages of a comic. And he takes a swerve here. We just had the uh, point one issue last week. I didn't read it. It was point one. But... After the point one, you're thinking they're going to pick back up with the Loki stuff, but he puts the brakes on that for a minute, and this it starts off with this premise of this bartender, and they're like, oh, there's an old legend among the bartenders where at closing every night, the devil will walk into a bar, and if you listen to his stories, he'll give you a tip, and you'll never have to work again for the rest of your life. It's not actually true, but sometimes the devil likes to play along, and in walks Mephisto. 
And it's entire it's an entire comic of Mephisto sitting at the bar telling stories about him trying to figure out what's going on with the fear itself stuff. Absolutely <laughs> great. It is so great. <laughs> he just, just, Mephisto is such an interesting character. He's never been given this much of a voice before. It was very entertaining. I, I loved this issue. What, uh, what number was that? Uh, 627, I believe. Okay. All right. I'll check that out. That's it. That's all I got for this week, yeah. All right. Well, based on your recommendations last week, I read Animal Man number one. Um, and? I liked it, but it's not a series that I would read on a regular basis. Although the ending, holy crap in hell. Creepy. Yeah. I love that ending. They're really going with the creepy stuff with the relaunches with some of the titles between <laughs> that one and Detective. Um, so yeah, it, it was kind of creepy as all hell. But uh, I mean, it was all right, but it was really nothing. The writing was good, but it was... It's not the type of series that I can see reading on a regular basis. I, I can I can agree with that. Yeah, I also read. There's just certain books that read better. Yeah, long term than they do issue by issue. Definitely, yeah. And I read uh, Batgirl number one. I'm sorry. Yeah, I see. I went in expecting popcorn because that's what we're getting from a lot of number ones right now. And I went in with the expectation of okay, how are they going to try to explain the continuity or the lack of continuity <laughs> they or the did. they so I kind of read it and kind of went oh. so I was disappointed in that. Disappointed in the continuity screw ups. The story itself it was like, eh, I didn't mind it. I enjoyed parts of it. But it wasn't it was I wasn't expecting much. And again the, the continuity stuff I it's gotten to the point now that I'm I'm no longer disgusted with it. It's just I accept it. That's what it is. Fine, whatever. So it wasn't a huge deal. I I mean, it wasn't. It's not a series I'm going to read. Uh, definitely not. Not based on this. But I it was. I, mean, I was talking to Tart though. She hated it. Hated it with a passion. Oh, okay. She loves Batgirl. <laughs> I also read um, Samurai's Blood number four. Still a fantastic miniseries, folks. If you can go back and get the last three and get four as well, and if you enjoy good samurai stories. I'm still digging it. It's still I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the resolution to this. It's going very well. So good story. And then there was Marvel Universe versus Wolverine number four closing that miniseries off. I'm not gonna I'm not ruining it because somebody <laughs> hasn't read it yet. But I'll, I'll cut you some slack. It just came out. And <laughs> okay, it's awesome. Okay, that's that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> it's it's so hard not to spoil any of this because it was so bloody awesome. I mean, we will back to it. Start to finish, friggin' awesome. And I can see how there's the potential for a Marvel Universes versus uh, whoever. My money is on Reed Richards um, or Deadline really? or Deadpool. I, I, I could read a Deadpool, yeah. Yeah, as long as it wasn't completely stupid. But no, this is. Oh. I I can't wait to talk about it. I seriously cannot wait to talk about it. And uh, Jonathan Mayberry, if you're listening, okay, dude, I want you on this podcast. We need to talk to you about this. <laughs> I am so bloody impressed. Okay, I also read uh, Batman and Robin, number one, which just came out, which <laughs> I was under the impression that basically they had pretty much given up on Batman Inc. <laughs> and this was their way of dealing with it. Because they're not just getting rid of the other Batman. They are removing them from existence. The issue as a whole was um, 
interesting because of what it means for this Batman. You, mm-hmm. We can definitely already see differences in this Bruce Wayne, without a doubt. He, he's, he's actually much lighter in tone and character than than the other Batman, or the, uh, the previous Batman. Um, it's interesting because of how he is changing and trying to evolve and whatnot, something that we never would have seen Bruce Wayne do before. He was stuck in that mindset, and he was never going to change. I mean, hell, he didn't change from the point till he was freaking in Batman Beyond. He was still the same dude, just old. <laughs> Here we can see how there's the... <laughs> but he got the letter from his daddy. Yeah, but that wasn't... You're, you were quick to point out, that's not part of this. That's not yeah, part it is. of when no, it's... I, when I say it wasn't. Because I was in Flashpoint. But that was after the big realignment. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You are right. Okay. Well, oh, that makes sense then. Damn it. I hate it when you're right. Okay, um uh, the one thing that Don't worry, I'm sure I'll screw it up yeah. soon. <laughs> the one thing I didn't like is the whole Damien thing. I mean, again, I've raised four kids. If any of my kids talk to me like this, <laughs> I I wouldn't be as forgiving as Batman. And <laughs> that's saying a lot. And <laughs> get a schmuck up the high, upside the head. I just don't like the kid. And if he's going to be a regular character in Batman and Robin, which you would expect him to be, I am not going to be reading this just because he's a annoying, annoying little bastard. Yeah, it's one of those continuity deals where when they first introduced Damien, he first started becoming uh, Robin. The, the 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 little war he had with Tim Drake was awesome, but that's irrelevant (laughs) it was the same thing how he was just rude and you know bruce didn't know how to handle him and whatever and then bruce died and dick took over as batman and that was when i really started to like damien and you saw damien grow as a character and now we're right back to bruce and damien and it's right back to the same relationship it was before it's kind of the whole uh booster gold thing how it started off stupid and then i liked it now it's back to stupid again yeah, so I didn't dig it. Now, another Batman title, however, that I did like, ho, ho, Batman number one. Dude, <laughs> by far the best new Batman title right now. It was fantastic. Again, I don't want to go into too much detail because I'm hoping we're actually going to dissect this in a future episode once people have had a chance to read it because I do want to spoil a crap load of this and actually talk about it. But the storyline was tight. The characters were were awesome the uh the whole thing with the joker awesome hilarious loved <laughs> yeah. it the ending was great the the i oh, start to finish absolutely fantastic issue loved it loved it loved it there's a reason scott snyder won the eisner for writer of the year yeah Fantastic. So yes, we will definitely be talking about that more on a future episode. If you're not going to do it, I will because it's it was... next week. Don't worry, it's in the plans. Okay, good because we got to spoil it, dude. It was so much fun, so much fun. Okay, with that, we're actually going to wrap up this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes at Comic Book Informer, and the episode will be up either tomorrow or on. Or I shouldn't say tomorrow. You won't know that when you're downloading this either on Thursday or on Friday. <laughs> and if you have any questions or submissions or anything, you can send them to ComicBookInformer at gmail.com. We are of course on Twitter at CB Informer. And with that, we'll talk to you guys next week. Oh, you weren't going to tackle the new releases? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus! Oh, what the hell? Welcome back to the program. So we have some new releases that we have to discuss ever so briefly, just to say... What is coming out this week? On the Marvel side, we've got the Avengers number 17, which is a fear tie-in. We've got Captain America number three. We've got Spider Island, Cloak and Dagger number two. We have, which is, of course, Spider Island. 
We have Fear Itself, Fearsome 4, number 4 of 4. Fear Itself, Homefront, number 6 of 7. Fear Itself, Uncanny X-Force, 3 of 3. Fear Itself, Youth in Revolt, 5 of 6. Marvel Universe versus Wolverine, number 4 of 4, which I just covered. The trade paperback for Shadowlands Moon Knight is out. Sh- uh, Spider Island, Spider Woman, number 1, is out. Thor Goes to Hollywood. I just put that in there because I thought you would think it's hilarious. I don't know what it is. I don't care. I'm not reading it. Uh, <laughs> Thunderbolts 163.1. Uh, Ultimate Comics Hawkeye number two. You know what? I still haven't read the number one because... Neither did I. I'm really not a big Hawkeye fan. I should read it anyway. Ultimate Comic Books... Uh, Ultimate Comics Thor trade paperback. Ultimate Comics X-Men number one, which I haven't read yet, but I will be. I'm very much looking forward to it. Although the cover alone makes it look like they're, again, not much of a change. Different people, but the same characters. Uh, Generation Hope number 11, which is a schism tie-in. Uncanny X-Men 543, and that's a fear tie-in. X-Force 225, X-Men number 18, and X-Men Schism number 4 of 5. Any of those that you're, like, really dying to read? Uh, The Ultimate X-Men, basically anything with an X in it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go with that. <laughs> you know what? I am really, I didn't set aside the uh, Cloak and Dagger, number two. I've got the number one. I didn't set it aside because I really was kind of like, eh, about it. There's enough money I'm spending on other stuff Dude, this week. Good, yeah. DC side, there you go. Showcase presents All-Star Comics Trade Paperback Volume 1, Batman number one. Buy it. Period. Uh, Birds of Prey, number one. Blue Beetle, number one. Captain Adam, number one. Catwoman, number one. DC Universe Presents, number one. Green Lantern Corps, number one. Legion of Superheroes, number one. Nightwing, number one. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number one. Spider Girl, or sorry, Supergirl, number one. And Wonder Woman, number one. Any? All? Uh, aside from what we've talked about, I, I haven't bought them yet. I'm kind of waiting on some to hear about them, but I'd like to see what they're doing with Nightwing, Supergirl, and Wonder Woman. Cool. Okay, and from everybody else, we've got uh, two trade, pa- trade paperback, volume four, Samurai's Blood, number four of six, like I was saying. There's a new Star Trek for any of you Trekkies out there. I just put it in there just because I'm curious what it is. Uh, so that's the Star Trek number one. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number two, which I picked up and I cannot wait to read. Okay, Great and week. We- with that... We're now really done. <laughs> There's no more. Go away, people. <laughs> oh, dude. Hit it, G. <laughs> Joe, you stay out of our podcast. <laughs> I was like, okay. So what, you got about uh, 20 minutes for your what we're reading? I just put them all in there. <laughs> the intent, though, was to go through them very quickly. I'll just describe the issue to you panel by panel. It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you missed the awesome torture scene with Deathlock. I doubt you read Herc number seven, did you? <laughs> you're, you're funny. <laughs> just saying. Keep it, you just because you're it funny. Was, <laughs> it was actually kind of funny, but well, she's in. Uh, they they talk about her in the first Spider-Man. Yes, they do. This would be golden if we were actually doing this during the recording. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that would be entirely too competent of us. Clearly, you haven't been paying much attention to the episode. <laughs> Man. But you might tweet's better than yours. 
<laughs> I like mine better. <laughs> Mine's far better. You have too much information. I'm retweeting mine, not yours, because yours <laughs> sucks. <laughs> well, if you didn't have 18 comics to talk about this week. I didn't talk about them all, all right? <laughs>